And now, another timely and powerful message from Pastor Emmanuel Williams and Imitators of God Ministries, Colossal Vivacious Church in Tallahassee. Today our text is going to come from Psalms 133, 1-3. I like the passage of Scripture because it deals with us as a body of Christ and it speaks volume to me on a whole. It says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard and Aaron's beard that went down to the skirt of his garment. And as the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that the descendant upon the Mount of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. If I was to give a topic for my sermon today, it's, it would be, it's not I, me, or my thing, but it's a we thing. Can we say it's a we thing? It's a we thing, the power of we. So by way of introduction, let me give you uh, some background on the Psalms. This Psalm was called the Psalm of Degree or Psalm of Ascent. The Psalm was a song that was sung from a list of 15 songs to be exact. Psalms 120 to Psalms 134. It's called the, the Songs of Ascent. By, and so there were Psalms 133. They, the pilgrims were traveling together in Jerusalem three times a year to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacle, the Feast of Pentecost and Passover. And as the pilgrims are coming from different walks of life, regions and tribe, as they gather for the religious festival for one purpose only. Can somebody say one purpose only? One purpose only, and that is to worship the Lord in Jerusalem. And so during that time, they were forced to maintain a sense of unity. For they were going to worship God. Let's just say they tolerated each other. So David knew about the pilgrimage because he was a pilgrim himself. And Dean, if you can put our first slide. Jerusalem was built on a series of mountains. And so as the pilgrims climbed up, they would sing various songs to God. And so, for example, in Psalms 121, they said, I will lift up my eyes onto the hills. From wrath cometh my help, my help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. And so they are not saying that the Lord is on the hills. What they were saying as they were going up is that the Jerusalem, the, the temple was up the hill. And so they were saying, Lord, I will lift up my eyes onto the hills. And so there is no special presence in, the, in, in that particular place. Today we are the temple of the living God and we don't have to direct our prayers to anyone. The Lord is always with us. Hebrews 13.5 say, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so now one of our subtitles of the psalm is a song of decree. The English word decree was translated from a Hebrew word which means elevation. And so it's a higher place. And so the Amplified Version or the Amplified Bible and the New Translation Version says it's a song of ascent. And the Message Bible translates this as a pilgrim song. And so what are we to say about the writer David? David. 
We don't know exactly when David composed this song, but there is a united consensus by, com by the commentators as to when the psalm was written. They claim that likely occasion was the writing of the Psalms was when David was finally received as king over all the tribes of Judah, of Israel, excuse me. And so we can find that in 2 Samuel 5, 3 to 5, or 1 Chronicles 12, 38 to 40. God did not trust any prophet to write these Psalms. Why? Because no other prophet experienced the power of unity like David. And so he knew a little about the harmony in the body of Christ. And so he, David wrote these Psalms by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, which is so profound. And so our text on the review begins with chapter one. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in uni unity. I want to see that Psalms 133, it starts with an exhortation, behold. It starts with behold, which means to take notice. Or in other words, what we would normally say, pay attention to this. Because what is going to come after that is something that we believers need to take heed for. So it deserves our attention. So he said, how good, how pleasant it is for brethren, for Christian, not just IOGM, the body of Christ, to dwell together in unity. So David drew our attention to something that's good and something that's pleasant, dwelling in the midst of us Christian sisters and brothers. It is good because it reflects God's heart and purpose of unity among his people. It is pleasant because it makes life together as God people so much enjoyable that even in, in times when there are disagreements, we can still unite. So John 17 parallels Psalms 133. During Jesus' final prayer before going to the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he say? He said, John 17, 21 to 22. He said that they all may be one. Just as you, Father, are me in one. I'm looking for the Amplified Version. That's where I'm reading from. That they also may be one in us so that the world may believe and be convinced that you may send me. Verse 22, I have given to them the glory and honor which you have given me, that they be one even as we are one. So in these verses, Jesus mentioned three things. The standard of unity, the purpose of unity, and the means to attain unity. So in John 17, 21, he said, we were given the standard for unity. The standard or basis for unity is the oneness between Jesus and his father. We believe we are to be one just as the father and Jesus are one. 
the very same kind of unity that he had, we should have it too in the body of Christ. In verse 22, Jesus also gave the purpose of unity. That the world may believe that the Father sent Jesus. Not only are we given the theme of Jesus' prayer, which is unity of the believers, the standard is also there, the purpose. We are also given the means to attain it. What is the means to attain it? And John 17, 22 says that. And the glory which thou giveth me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. So everything Jesus is saying, let us be one, 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 one. And this is so long. This is a whole different sermon by itself. So I'm going to leave it and go right back to my text. Unity is a big thing to Jesus. And if it matters to him, it should matter to us. Acts 2.1 say, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they, not me, they were all in one accord. And because they were all in one accord, something happened on that day. The Holy Spirit came as a mighty rushing wind and it filled the house where they were. Why? Because they were in one accord. One of the biggest reasons I believe that the power of God is not being manifested in the churches today because it's always about I, my, me and not us. The fact of the church is we have a church right across the street. We have a church right down the street. And we cannot be united as a body of Christ. It's not about imitators of God's ministry. It's not about the first Baptist church. It's about the people of God. The people of God is not about this one church. It's not about Cheryl. It's not about Pastor Emmanuel. It's not about Elder Brendan, Elder Jan. It's not about one person. It's us collectively coming together in the body of Christ to serve notice to the enemy that he cannot win. So this is my point. There is an anointing necessary to accomplish God's will that we can never attain individually. Okay? It's the uniting in the spirit that God's look for. God is looking for uniting people in the spirit. There is a song that sometimes I used to sing. Forget about yourself. And concentrate, I say, forget about yourself. I don't know if they sing it here. Concentrate on me, on him, and worship on me. You heard that? On me and worship. It's all about me sometimes. Concentrate on him and worship God. Forget about me. I uh, uh, forget about that and worship God. So forget about ourselves, our attitude, what we come here with, and give him praise. Forget about who you like and who you don't like. Forget about if something is working and if something is not, and concentrate on God and worship him. And you know, saints, one of the greatest schemes the devil is using is to divide the body of Christ. It's about complaining. It's about me. It's about Elder Jen. I don't like Elder Jen. She's worshiping too much. I don't like Pastor Emmanuel. I don't like Shani. I just don't, li I just don't like, I just don't like them. So I'm not coming to the body of Christ. It's never about me. It's always about you. It's all about Christ. The centerpiece is here. The focus should be up here. Since if we are united, we are unstoppable. 
of what we can do for the glory of God on earth. But if we are divided, we are diluted, we are weak, and we are ineffective in the way that God would not want to use us. In Acts 2.14, what happened? After the day of Pentecost, and Peter was preaching, he was surrounded by all the elders. They were not sitting. Five of them was not on one side. Five was not on the other. Two was not at home. Three was not at home. They all came in support. They were not sitting. They were surrounding him because they knew that they were gathered for a common force to put the enemy to shame. They understood the power of unity. It wasn't about a one-man show. It wasn't me and my. It was about us. That's right, Elijah. It was about us. It was not about five of them standing and the rest sitting and the rest being pitiful. It was about let us come together in unison because we understand the power and we understand what we have to battle in the spirit realm. We need each other. I need to know when I am weak, Shani got my back. I need to know when I'm weak, mother got my back. I need to know when I'm stumbling, somebody got me in prayer. I need to know that somebody got me. And we cannot have each other if we are biting on each other, if we are gossiping on each other. Tell bearing. We are one in the spirit. A great church is a we church. A great church is a we church. Example on Friday night we came together and we were we were having a good time. Who know that Xavier could sing? And Elder Brenda could sing. Now she want to join the choir. No. <laughs> but who would know that? A great church is a we church. It's not about the numbers. It's the power in the numbers. Because it took 12 of the disciples to influence the world. Right? A great church is a we church. In Acts 5, you remember Ananias and Sapphira. They did not flow with what God was doing. They refused to get involved with what God was doing in the church. Isn't that something? Do you think participation matters in the body of Christ? It does. God didn't ask for their money. Because in Acts 4, remember, there were people who coming voluntarily to give. But they refused to participate. They lied to the Holy Spirit. There is something in the church that they call the 80 so rule, I think. It's the 80-20 rule that says 20% of the people in the church actively participate while the 80 are spectators. The 20% are involved in the vision. They participate in serving. They participate in giving according to whatever the church needs. And I'm not talking about the church as here. I'm talking about the church as the body of Christ because how many of you all know every 10% is given out? We give out every 10%. 
And perhaps next week we'll have to do a list of the various people that we give out, organizations that we give out to. Because it's never about one person. It's never about this church. It's about the body of Christ. The reason I believe that God cannot bless some of us is because it's always about us. It's me, 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 me. David compared what it looks like when unity occurred among brethren. And Psalms 132, chapter 2 says it. He says, it's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garment. The brethren dwelling together in unity could have been compared to anything. It could have been compared with trees, apples. It could have been compared to human beings. There are so many different parts that they could have compared it with. But he chose not to, he says. He says he compared it with the precious oil pouring down upon the head of Aaron. In Leviticus 8, 10 to 12, it says, And Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was within and sanctified them. And he sprinkled thereof upon the altar seven times and anointed the altar and all his vessels and both the levy and his foot to sanctify them. So first, who is Aaron? He's the high priest. So here, the picture here is that Aaron being anointing, anointed. Second, we need to define the term precious ointment. Precious ointment here in Hebrew is Tobe, T-O-B-E. T-O-B-E. I'm not Hebrew, so I don't know. T-O-B-E. And it was mentioned 36 times and it was translated as good. And then it was translated four times as precious. So this is to say the word used to describe God's character in Psalm 73.1 is the same thing. It says truly, Psalm 73.1, it said truly God is good to Israel. Which said truly God is precious to Israel even to such as are one of a clean heart. So the phrase precious oil in the context means the good, the God anointing oil. The right kind, the rich. Can you, can, you, can you see it, saints? As a body of Christ, how rich we are. And the oil is so precious because of its composition. I'm going to describe, and we can find that in Exodus 30, 22 to 23. I'm not going to read it, but you can read it at your own time. But here's what the oil was made up of. Then. Three. Moses was called to collect the blend to make the oil. Myrrh, 12 and a half pounds of pure myrrh, and it's taken from Exodus 30 to 23. Cedarman, six and a quarter pounds of cedarman, and it's still taken from Exodus 30, 23. Sweet cane, six and a quarter pounds of sweet cane, Exodus 30, 23. And I say casa, I think. Akasha, uh, 12 and a half pounds of that, olive oil, one gallon of olive oil. 
and he mixed it together and he blended it into a holy mixture and that's what they called the anointing oil and since each of these precious spices have a meaning these were the principal ingredients to unity you can put it back the myrrh put it, you can put back slide three then the myrrh it's love the sweet cinnamon is considered gentleness the sweet calamar is meekness the casa is long-suffering the olive oil is forgiveness and where can we find that sense we can find that in way galatians 5 22 to 23 but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long-suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance against such thing there is no law look at the oil that is being compared to for unity since when we are united it's easy to love when we are united it's easy to be at peace with everyone when we are united it's easy to be gentle when we are united it's easy to have meekness when we are united it's easy to forgive others when we are united it's easy to have long suffering towards our brothers and sisters and lord do not get irritated it's easy for us to get irritated with people. That was a problem with me, an irritation. And God had to speak to me. Who are you, Cheryl, to get irritated with my beloved? I get irritated with you, but who are you? See, sometimes it has to speak to you first before you can speak to others. But who am I to get irritated with Sister Gwen? Who am I? Sometimes... We have to look at each other, not sometimes, all the time. We have to look at each other and see Christ in the person. Because we don't know what others are going through. And God is counting on you and me to bring light to the world. He's counting on us to show the unbelievers what true Christianity is all about. So Aaron was not qualified to minister until that anointed. So what is actually being focused here with this analogy? This is a picture in the Old Testament pointing to a principle in the New Testament. The picture is here is, since we know that Aaron was the high priest, it comes from the priest. It flows down on his shoulder, and then it flows down on his garment. We are told three things about the precious ointment. It poured upon his head, it ran down upon the beard, then it went to the skirt of his garment. Ran down, went down, descend. These three things is coming together. As a body of God, Christ. God loves unity. And unity begins in the home. It begins in the home. With our wives. With our husbands. With our children. At our job. How we treat our, our co-workers. Our friends. 
It starts with all of us as believers, but it starts at the home. We cannot shout at our wives, we cannot shout at our husbands, we cannot disrespect our, our mates. This is not love, this is not unity. Unity begins in the home. Leadership. Leadership. What does it look like in our leadership? In the body of Christ? Are we in tune with the vision, the purpose, the oneness that the man of God has set in place? Are we being rebellious? What are we doing? Leadership. What are we doing? And I'm talking to me. And I, am I being supportive to the vision that God has entrusted us with? What are we doing as leaders in the body of Christ? What are we doing as parishioners in the body of Christ? It's not just about leaders. We are all leaders. But what are we doing as the body of Christ to support the ministry? And I'm not just talking about imitators of God. Let me just say it again. Yes, we have a mandate to support here. God has entrusted us here with Pastor Emmanuel being our leader. And we to obey those in authority. God has entrusted him with a vision. And I always say, Elder Jane, I think you've heard that a million times, you and Elder Brenda. I'm not going to stand here if my husband is not a man of God. This man walk as an example to Emmanuel and I in the house. Leadership begins at home. So, the Bible says, run down upon the beard. This good and pleasant unity among brothers is like precious oil running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robe, and then to the skirts of his garment. And the Bible said in verse 3, this unity is like the dew of Hermon. As he said, as the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. So what should we know about Mount Hermon? The Hebrew called the mountain Hermon, meaning sacred. I think I'm pronouncing the word sacred. It's 9,232 feet tall. It is the tallest mountain in Israel, way up in the north of the land. And Mount Hermon is a cluster of mountains with three distinct summits, each about the same height. And they said that the mountain forms one of the greatest geographic resources of the area. Because of its height, it captures a great deal of precipitation in a very dry area of the world. And because of the humility in the air, there's always a heavy dew on Mount Hermon. And what is said, what, what I like, it's said about it, it's never dry. It's never dry. It's always moist. Oh my God. Dew and moisture. So in the dry land of Israel, rain doesn't fall for six months, yet still, it's moist. It's moist. 
That's something else. To just think about, it doesn't rain, it's hot. Because we in Tallahassee know it's hot. 120, I had to cut my hair. I'm sorry, guys, I cut my hair. It's hot. Before I cut my hair, I had to ask Shani, Shani, should I cut my hair or not? Why? Because she does my hair, no one again. But I had to ask her, should I cut my hair or not? Because my hair is long, and cutting my hair means a great deal. I asked my husband, do you like my style? He said, yes, boop. He didn't know I was doing it the next day, but he loved it. <laughs> but I'm saying all this to say that we in Tallahassee, we are fed up of this hot weather. I know I am. But right here in, in Mount Hermon, they're saying that even if it never rains, it's moist. It's moist because of the dew that's there and said it snows. So when it snows, it comes down and at the bottom, it's, it, it, things grow. It's just never, never, never dry. And this unity that David is saying is like all that life produces moisture that produces dew falling in Jerusalem. In Zion, Mount Zion, the mountain of Zion. Saints, if we as a body of Christ are united, we can never be dry. We can feel what, just like I said earlier, when I'm hurting, I have the strength of mother to rely on. Because she's upholding me. She's praying for me and I can feel it. So the moist from Hermon is a source, a cool moisture that comes all the way down to Zion. And this all points to the Holy Spirit in us should be like the dew that carry refreshments to the end of the earth. Therefore, unity is like giving dew falling on those low, drying mountains. Can you, you, understand, you understand? Because when I read that, I had goosebumps all over to see what unity in the body would look like if we are just in one accord. So unity is necessary for the blessing of life evermore to take place. So this verse tells us when the effect of unity is like, and then tells us why the effect of unity is like by introducing the world as which is the same as like. So here's the explanation. The foundation for this comparison between unity and the dew of Hermon falling with all the implications of that height and that life giving moisture falling on the place of the saving, reconciling work done here because there is no reference to this Zion there. The Lord commands the blessings when there is unity. He commanded forever. So because the Lord establishes the fact that everlasting life is going to be commanded at a place where the priestly ministry, which means the headship, takes place, it behooves you and I to get in line with God's word. So unity is necessary for the blessing of life for eternity. The blessing of life eternity. 
I told the Lord while I was preparing this sermon, I said, Lord, help me to deny myself and put you first. Because the flesh always rises up. Lord, deny Cheryl flesh so that I can give you glory. Crucified, kill it so I can give you glory. So I can be of help to my brothers and sisters. It's not about me. It's not about I. It's not about the Williams resident. He said, as for me and my house, we, it's collectively, will serve the Lord. So it's never about me. It's never about Pastor Emmanuel, EJ. It's never about this household. It's about everybody in the body of Christ coming together in unison. Can you imagine that, sir? If we as a body of Christ come together in one accord and give God praise and glory, could you imagine the gates of hell? It cannot prevail. It will not prevail if we come together in unity. My ma, Mushe. Whew. We got to command the blessing. But we cannot command the blessing if there's no unity because he said it. Where there is unity, that's where we command the blessing. In Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 28, 8, it says, The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouse. And in all that thou settest thy hands unto, and he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. It's a me thing, y'all. It's a me thing. It's a me thing. In Romans 15, 5 to 7, the apostle Paul also prayed a similar prayer. What did he pray? In Romans 15, 5 to 7, the same thing that Jesus said. He said it. He said, now may the God who gives preservation and encouragement. I'm reading for the NAS, NASB version. Now, now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. That with one accord you may be with one voice glorifying the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore accept one another. Just as Jesus also accepted us to the glory of God. So accept one another. I think earlier we said tolerate one another. Tolerate me. All because not of you but because of Jesus. Tolerate Elder Jen. Tolerate the body on a whole. That's how we are going to live as brothers and sisters. My God. Tolerate me and pray for me. God hate confusion. You are asked to do something to the body of Christ. It's not about you. Drop what you're doing. If it's not at work and come to the body of Christ and fellowship. There's power in unity. There's power in one accord. Sister Andrea is homesick. And um, I had, this week, she, everybody know that Sister Andrea did operation on her leg. And um, it, was, it, was a, it was good to see that sisters and brothers came to her. They wanted to overnight at the house to take care of that single lady. That's what it's all about. We cannot be selfish in the body of Christ. It has to be an us thing. It's a we thing. Can we say just a we thing? 
It's a we thing. So Paul prayed that God would give us, believers, a spirit of unity. To think the same. Doesn't mean that we have to agree. You have your own opinion. But that doesn't mean that we cannot come in oneness. There are times when my husband and I, we are speaking and he doesn't always agree with what I'm saying, but we come in oneness. We live in harmony. One heart. One mind. One mouth. Not two mouths. My husband can't be saying something on the south side and saying something on the north side. It's one mouth. Because if there's different mouths, you know what's going to happen. Two heads cannot survive in a house. One. And just like in the body of Christ, our headship is Jesus Christ. And we align everything to his word. First Thessalonians 4, 17. Dean, if you can put that up quickly for me. First Thessalonians 4, 17. It says... Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up with them in the cloud to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be. I'm not going to be caught up by myself. It's a we thing. Everything in the body is contingent about a we thing. A pastor Emmanuel is not going to be caught up by himself. He said we, we, the body of Christ. It's a we thing. And since it's time that we get in line with a we thing. The body of Christ is not just made up of this church only. It's a made up of people in Africa, Asia, China. We have so much spirit and free spirit to worship God. But we have those in China that cannot worship God. Those are our brothers and sisters that demand us praying for them and interceding for them. So I'm not going to be long. So as I pray and as we close, I want to say I command a blessing on my family. I command a blessing on my job. I command a blessing if my church families. I command a blessing in my own life. Why? Because there's unity. I'm in unison with pastor right here. When we are not in agreement, this is what happened. In Genesis eleven six, you remember what happened when they were building that tower? You remember that? They were building that tower, and because they were in one mind, they had one vision, and their vision was to do what? To build a tower right up to the sky, right? God himself came down and confused their language. They were in one accord. And if the devil can be in one accord... We should be in one accord. Can you imagine if we, the saints of God, are in one accord? What will happen? We'll be unstoppable. They had one vision. One language. And the Lord shared with me, if we can get us to talk about one vision. If we can get us to be on one accord, one mind. One mouth. Which means that we should not be talking about this church that the Lord planted us with. We should not be talking about the Baptist church down the road. 
Why? Because they are brothers and sisters. Does the, if that, does that mean that if they're not talking about, they're talking doctrine that we cannot address them? Oh, sure. But there's a way to do it. But they are our brothers and sisters. And we should not be gossiping on the Baptist church, the CUM church, the imitators of God church, the whatever church. We should not. Why? This is a we thing. That's all the enemy uses. He uses people like us to kill other believers. The us, us. The enemy come to kill, steal, and to destroy. And he'll do anything to divide us as a body of Christ. And since as I close, in closing, let me just say, we got to do better. I say we, I'm including myself in it. We as a body of Christ have to do better. To love on our sisters and brothers. To nurture them. Tolerate them and pray for them. And let the Lord work on you, on us. Learn not to criticize them. We come up from all different backgrounds. And the background that I come from is different from your background. I'm from the Caribbean. I'm going to say some words wrong. I have an accent. Don't criticize me. Pray for Cheryl, please. Pray for me. We are all in it together. We have people from St. Thomas. We have people from the Virgin Islands. We have people from Dominica, St. Lucia. Ja Jamaica we have people from all different backgrounds and it's not about you it's all over the world it's a wee thing it's a wee thing first Thessalonians when we are cut up it's not gonna be America go up first this church go up first it's a wee thing Please take time to meditate on the Word and let it sink into your heart and soul and mind today. Knowing that the Christian who meditates on the Word will be like a tree planted by the water, bringing forth fruit in its season and prospering in all that he does. But what if you aren't a Christian today? What if you don't know if you're bound for heaven as a forgiven child of God? If that's you, then let's take care of it right now if you're ready. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Are you ready to be forgiven of your sins and washed clean and made new? Are you ready to begin your new life in Christ? Then turn to God right now and say, Lord, I love you. I need you. I repent of my sins. Lord, please forgive me and wash me clean. I receive your forgiveness right now as I put my faith in Jesus as my Savior. God, please lead me and teach me and show me how to live from now on. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And if you're looking for a good church family, you'll be welcomed with open arms at Imitators of God Ministries, Colossal Vivacious Church in Tallahassee, located at 4750 Capital Circle Southeast near Tram Road. Sunday school begins for all ages at 10 a.m. and the morning service begins at 11. And the Wednesday evening service begins at 7. This is a life-giving, multicultural, multi-generational church where people of all races, backgrounds, and walks of life come together to worship, to be inspired in their love for God, to develop relationships, and to be empowered to live out God's purpose for their lives. Find more information on their website, imitatorsofgodministries.com.
www.thechurchofgodchristchurchofgod.com or call the church, 850-408-8496. 